0: Back to That's Orgasmic, you are joined by your host, sexologist Emily Duncan, and today I am joined again with Talison Switch, who is a BDSM facilitator, kink, and sexuality educator, and sex worker who specializes in queer exploration. Now, if you haven't already listened to last week's episode, Talison and I talked all about queer sexuality and being able to utilize sex workers to explore that. And in today's episode, we're talking about kinks and fetishes. We discuss the difference between a kink and fetish. We also talk about foot fetishes. And there's also a strong focus on choking and strangulation. As we have both been seeing this a lot more on social media. And it just seems to be coming normalised a lot more. So we discuss what it is, how to do it, how to do it safely, how to get yourself out of a situation if you're being choked and you don't want to be choked and just all of the problems and issues that are associated with this kink and fetish. So please enjoy today's episode, Shaggers. So I want to talk about like kinks and fetishes. Um, I think it's such a diverse topic, but so mm. interesting and also important to talk about. For anybody listening who like first doesn't understand the difference between a kink and a fetish, are you able mm. to explain this?
1: Absolutely. So, um... A really good metaphor that I use to describe this is a fetish is your main meal. Your kink is your ingredients or your dessert. Um, So a fetish, you know, often is that thing where a person needs that to have sort of any sort of erotic or sexual satisfaction. Um, It's that thing that is your main meal. That is the main thing that they are after that they want um, that they need to be able to enjoy other things. So, for example, a person with a leather fetish you know, really needs leather in one way or another to be involved, uh, to be able to really get the most out of um, an encounter. Whereas a kink is like a fun thing that you enjoy, but you don't inherently need, Um, which might be something like, you know, spanking. You don't need to be spanked, you know, to be able to get to do a cum, uh, but, you know, it'd be very nice to get a spanking
0: yeah, I love that. I, I think it was super important to distinguish because so many people just interchange them. Mm. I think that it's like the same thing. Um, but yeah, I'm also super interested, like what is the most like common kink slash fetish that you come across with your work?
1: Um, so the most common fetishes I would say is absolutely feet, um, which makes sense. It is one of the most common fetishes, you know, generally, um, you know, just at a like, social and biological level there's a lot of reasoning behind that which I'll try not to ramble on um so feet spitting um uh, like spit I would say is like you know kink slash fetish it's hard to tell because some people again these can be the most common like activities that I get requested I would be like yeah anything to do with feet spitting face sitting uh, like that sort of smothering sort of thing um as well as stuff like water sports so like piss play um those are probably the most commonly asked for things as well as bondage and like impact play, um, and like angle play mm-hmm. are probably the most common. Like, if I, yeah, if that's one of those, are the, those are the sort of the main ingredients to a session where if I got you know into the staff room and I'm like, What do you do? i I'm like, Oh, yeah, just your Tuesday afternoon, um, you know, nothing too exciting. Yeah, um, yeah, those are the most common ones.
0: Yeah, I am actually curious because I've had. People ask me a few times now the reasoning behind feet, like foot fetishes. Mm. So I actually would be interested in oh like your take on the reason why people mm. often develop this.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So uh, your special interest activated. Uh, you're going to need to shut me up at some point.
0: So
1: <laughs> the way that fetishes, the, the, at the moment, the issue is there's not a whole bunch of research. Like there's not like an excessive amount of research on fetishes and kinks uh which is super super frustrating to me as an academic um but so the general agreed upon at the moment reason why fetishes form is uh generally during early adolescence or like prepubescence uh there is a situation or something that is going on repeatedly that invokes feelings of shame uh taboo um and arousal um and this is where uh I'm trying to like hone it in and keep on topic so the reason why feet are a really big one is because you have you know there's many different ways that that can form feet are a part of everyday life um there's a lot of cultures that you know you might um you know clean a matriarch's feet like as a like young you know person um this is where I'm like I, I try to stay away from like heteronormative language but here I'm just gonna you know work on a general terms of you know often young boys um because uh, also statistically um it is a lot of young uh boys like cis men who are more likely statistically to develop fetishes than um cis women um and then trans people are sort of again there's not enough of research to be, to be able to indicate um which is really frustrating. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to use a bit of heteronormative language here and cis-normative language. Um, but generally, yeah, young boys, you know, in like pre early adolescence um, are in situations where you've got feet around a lot. Either it'd be like a cultural thing of having to clean a matriarch's feet. Um, there are some cultures where, um, you know, when you're, you know, going to an auntie's house, you have to just give her a little kiss on like the top of her foot kind of situation, right? And you've got that happening so there's a lot of great cultural things and stuff like that where so you have cultural fetishes things are very common in certain cultures because you have this ongoing thing that is very common um and then you know you have that issue of like I don't know if you've ever met like a 13 year old horny uh you know cis boy but uh they see a curvy piece of wood uh half the time and they're like a bit horny about it so you know you've got that situation of being like oh no my hot aunt oh fuck oh no oh no, and then you have that taboo, that shame, that Mm -hmm. that arousal, et cetera, so on, that can form sort of that, as well as there is a part of the brain um, that is to do with feet and sensations in the feet that is right next to um, the part of the brain that is uh, a part of arousal. I could be a little bit wrong with this. Um, I, yeah, I could be a little wrong in terms of just like the parts of the brain, but I know that there are parts of the brain, I'm 100% sure exactly which ones. Uh, I did not study medicine. um, That are so next to each other that often they can get linked up and wired to each other. So arousal hits feet, feet hit arousal, you create those neural pathways, feet equals arousal. Um, And then also I've seen often the more you joke about a kink or a fetish, uh, you're creating those neural pathways as well. And because feet is such a commonly known fetish, uh, you know, it's a very common thing to joke about, you know, haha, oh, do you like feet? Oh, and then over time, you actually kind of do start to like feed a little bit actually. Yeah. Can they kind of look sexy? Um, So um, yeah, those are the main three things that create this recipe that is just perfect for fetish formation. Um, Mm -hmm. And also feet are associated with things being like dirty, you know, feet have a smelly feet. um, They have, there's a lot of sensation around feet, which again, in, you know, and that sort of early pubescence sort of thing, it just absolutely recipe for to go, wow, that's actually a little bit sexy because you have that taboo, shame, arousal, mix, repeat. Wow, feet are sexy forever now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I hope absolutely. I was concise enough no, with that. No, <laughs> that was. That was really good. That was good to hear because I often yeah. have people ask, especially with feet, people just have a thing with feet, and <laughs> I often get asked like, oh, you know, why... Why do people have a foot fetish or like try to wrap mm. their head, try to wrap their head around yeah. it, I guess. It's funny because
1: um, like no one will ask you that question about boobs
0: or like no, no no one, no. no one will
1: but there is also there have been studies done. I cannot remember, I can't cite them because I can't remember them, but I know that there are studies, I've read them, uh, on like actual sexual arousal throughout different cultures. Um, and the only like universally sexually arousing thing is watching or hearing other people having sex. Um, the actual body parts. Uh, are very cultural so boobs and butts those are just a cultural fetish um like those that's just an example of like you know in western you know society that's a cultural fetish in the same way that in more like east uh asian uh countries um or like southeast asian countries a cultural fetish is very often feet um
0: yeah yeah, yeah. no that, and that's such a such a good point to you know say like why mm. is this thing a bit more like taboo and like why aren't like you know boobs bums why aren't we questioning that like mm. yeah no 100% one thing I really want to talk about is choking um mm. because I've been seeing it everywhere in my personal life in social media I've been seeing it a lot more especially in like casual sex one night stands so people are literally just assuming that everybody likes to be choked um and most of the time it's not even being like can I choke you they just choke mm. you and this is obviously like a very dangerous assumption Oof, and can be yeah. very triggering for people and just dangerous in general. Are you able to first explain kind of what like strangulation choking is in case there's anybody who I guess like hasn't experienced this during sex or really heard about it much? Um, and just yeah, how it can be practiced during sex?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's very much what it says on the tin. Uh the idea of it is that you are um either choking someone or like, you know, you're locking either air or sort of blood to the brain um, during sex to sort of create a fight or flight response to follow you with endorphins, feels good and also inserts power. Um, oh, this is one where I'm like, I'm gonna be very careful to not go down a rabbit hole of just how uh, passionate I am about this one. Uh, unless you know what you're doing, don't fucking do it. Uh, just don't. Um, if you can get anything away from this episode, uh, is just simply if you don't know exactly what you're doing, don't fuck around. Uh so choking um that idea of how it the safest way it can be done is to simply not do it. Um, but one of the the most common like risk mitigation, um, safest way to do sort of breath play, strangulation play is to instead of choking off breath which I'll talk about in a second um, is to use like the thumb and the fingers on the neck to sort of press on um the arteries and veins of the throat um to stop blood flow to the brain um it's very very hard in that situation to stop all blood flow so still a little blood is going but it's enough to lower it that you get that sort of heady uh feeling um So that's the main way it is practiced. Another way people who have no idea what they're doing would be to actually try to stop breath, um, which is incredibly dangerous and should never be done. Um, So, yeah, that's how it is done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, like, honestly, I feel like the most – the common ways I've been seeing is they literally just chuck a hand around your throat and just Uh, squeeze. And just squeeze everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah um uh, yeah the, oh it pisses like I've seen it all over like you know TikTok and all that where even it feels like almost it's getting equated with like almost vanilla in like yeah, it's it almost, is like and I'm like oh every time I see it I want to like put my head through a fucking wall um and like I've seen it a lot more in like my sessions with um my like vanilla sessions because i do bds facilitation but i also do more of like a chill experience like girlfriend sort of vanilla experience and people are like oh my god yes choke me i'm like ha no um or like they've tried to choke me um and absolutely not uh that's another thing if someone is trying to choke you and you haven't agreed to it uh break their fucking fingers i'm not even joking um you from broken fingers you can go to the hospital and fix those you can't uh come back from death Uh, um so a little word for out there if someone is choking you um and you do not want to be choked or for some reason even if you have agreed and things aren't feeling right um the one of the weakest points of the hand is the uh thumb so what you want to do is if you have your other hand free never get choked in restraints um you know and if you are on restraints uh and you're getting choked, um, that's where you kick, scream, get them off you to talk at least. Um, But yeah, if you do have a hand free, you want to be taking one hand on the thumb and you want to yank it. If that's not working, grabbing one, try. I've seen it where people are just trying to grab at the hand or the wrist. That is a stronger point of the other person. Um, What you want to do is you want to grab a single finger and just yank it back because that is going to hurt and make the person release. This may break a finger, it might not. But it may break a finger. But, again, a broken finger you can fix. Uh, once no no air to the brain and to the rest of the body, you die. Um, so I've had people be like, oh, that could hurt. I'm like, yeah. Or you could die. So choose life. Break a finger if you need to get out of a situation where you are being choked.
0: Yeah. very no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I feel like, especially when it's there you know, hasn't been any communication about it, they're just assuming... Mm. And honestly, like I can imagine for some people that get off with the like seeing you struggle a bit or they're, mm. like, you know, like you yeah. just go so wrong, so, mm. so wrong. Um, are you seeing this being like, I guess, a more common request then within your work and like even a discussion as like a sex educator?
1: Um, I would, uh, it's hard to tell because it's one of those things where it's, been common a little bit from the get-go generally from people who don't know they have no idea um who have because of social media I've seen it more commonly on social media and in discussions rather than in actual practice itself like it's been fairly consistently common I haven't really seen much of a rise in it but I yeah it could absolutely be at a rise and I just haven't seen it or noticed it um but yeah that's one th- I've seen it I've gotten it I've seen it a lot more recently in social media and like the way it's talked about as a more of like a, oh yeah or it's like this shit is edge play um for those who aren't aware edge play is stuff that when you it's play. so a scene an activity that is inherently more dangerous there's a lot more risks involved that's stuff like blood play uh cutting rope suspension can be considered edge play um you know intense medical play and choking breath play is edge play because you are on the edge of what you can do to a person mm-hmm. and what you can do um with any sense of safety and even yeah. like safety then is very like in quotation marks
0: yeah for those people who, like, are engaging in choking and you're be- the person who's being choked, if you mm. are, like, waking up the next day with a sore chest or it's a few hours later and, like, your chest down here is, like, sore, mm. is that meaning that they're choking you wrong or is that just a side effect of engaging in that play?
1: Yeah. Um... I've honestly I can't I've got I'm getting my notes out here because like, yeah. I saw you write this question down I've got like a bunch of uh stuff on just the physiological medical things on uh-huh. choking yeah um which I can absolutely go into but that chest stuff there's not a lot of things like after the fact that are going to be causing uh chest pain um like the biggest things are but the main issues that I can think of when it comes to chest pain um, after choking is, like, you know, your diaphragm has been hurt, which comes from being punched, you know, stitches from, like, breathing too hard, um, something going down the wrong hole. Everyone's felt this before. You know, you've gotten hit in the gut, that sort of winded, sort of hurting feeling. Um, not super concerning. Get it checked out if it's stayed for a couple of hours or two. Um, another thing is, like, aspiration which is so, you know, something has gone down the wrong air pipe. Um, that also happens really regularly. You know what that feels like. You know, you've laughed or drinking a glass of water and it's gone down the wrong hole. Um, you know, you know what that feels like. It's very uncomfortable. Again, if it's feels super concerning, you know, go get it checked out. Um, you know, if something hurts, just rest, rest it. And if it keeps hurting, get it checked. Um, you know, pain is the body's way of telling you that something is wrong um so it comes down to listening to your own body and like it's your responsibility to just communicate and act on what your body is telling you um honestly when it comes to choking the you know other than like the immediate like dangers of the choking itself like afterwards the more common pain you might be noticing is like soft tissue damage around the like throat and neck um and that's again like breasting it if something feels like it hurts too much or is concerning you absolutely get it checked out um but they're not inherently something that you want to be like racing to the er about um mm. i think were you i a part of me is curious there with that question were you more talking about like the heart issues that can come from hitting the vagus nerve uh, when it comes
0: Not, to choking so more like just like almost like a sore muscle the next day yeah like just sore muscle, a sore yeah. chest muscle because I've noticed like and I've discussions I've had with people sometimes it happens other times it doesn't and we're like mm. is it the weight of like somebody pushing down mm. is yeah. it doing it wrong like what? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it can be the way and it's mostly yeah diaphragm or like yeah you're it's not really something to be super concerned about but just like it's a benefit thing of just listening to your body if something hurts you know don't poke it and if it keeps hurting get it checked out um mm-hmm. but it's chest pain isn't something to be super super concerned about um because yeah you're more danger areas and the most the more things that you need to be concerned about is while the actual choking is happening yeah um because yeah that's one thing where there's a lot of people talk about like the vagus nerve, which is something I thought potentially you were trying to touch on is that's a nerve um, in that goes from like, you know, the down the neck to the heart um, and the vagus nerve, like it's a really cool thing. Um, So the heart and the brain actually aren't super connected. The brain, the uh, heart has its own little, like system that tells it when to beat it doesn't actually really need the brain a lot which is great that keeps you alive mm-hmm. um the only thing that the brain really does it tells you how fast to beat, and it does that by connecting to the lungs how fast you're breathing tells the brain how fast your he- your heart needs to beat right you're running you're breathing a lot your heart beats faster um, and that's all done through like the vagus nerve and there have been things that have happened more so with martial arts because it the vagus nerve is, is pretty deep down there Um, Where if that gets hit, tapped, that can cause, uh, you know, that can cause issues with your heart and that can cause heart attacks and cardiac issues. Um, And people have died from that. Um, It's, I don't want to make people go like, oh, no, it's completely a myth because people have died. Um, And if you go too far, too hard, too fast, there is always that risk of cardiac issues there, right? Because people go, oh, I don't choke to the point of unconsciousness, therefore is inherently safe. You still are, it's a minute risk because it's more so if you are hitting someone in the neck or you're doing like, you know, a martial arts strangulation sort of hold. Um, but there is always that risk of hitting that nerve, hitting the heart and standing, needing to call an ambulance because someone is having a heart attack because you've choked them. Um, yeah. And that's one thing with choking that I always tell people, even, even like forgetting that sort of stuff, which isn't the most common in the world, if you've been in the BDSM scene for a while, if you engage with the community a lot, um, just through association, you are going to know people who either have been injured through choking or know people who have been injured through choking or even people have died. Um, I've heard stories of people having seizures um, and that is not even like from like blood chokes um, because like, yeah, blood chokes are the safest way to do it, even though it is still unsafe. Um, It is the breath is the main thing you want to be worrying about there um, because because of that vagus nerve, right, Um, stopping breathing, forcibly stopping someone from being able to breathe. Uh, Physiologically, yeah, you're going to get those really cool rush of endorphins, um, you know, that fight or flight response, which feels really good, but it's for the wrong reasons. Um, And it's physiologically not safe. Um, So that's one thing where I've seen people like, oh, I don't choke on the throat because the throat, there's a part of the throat um, that, uh it only takes one kilogram of pressure to crush it um that's what they do tracheotomies um and that is not a lot of pressure at all so people are like oh i just don't i'll just do blood chokes or i'll put my hand over someone's mouth right to stop them from breathing um that is just as dangerous right because even though you might not be crushing the windpipe which don't fucking crush a windpipe (laughs) um don't do that uh but if you're putting you know if you're stopping physically stopping someone from being able to breathe uh you are still causing that physiological, like, heart, lungs, brain reaction, um, which, yeah, people, I've seen people, I haven't seen, I've heard of, a one of my close friends has seen someone have a epileptic, like, seizure um, and had a bit of brain damage from, like, being, like, yeah, from breath play. It is a very dangerous thing to be messing with. Um, and I'm not saying, like, you know, if you know, and uh, legally, If someone gets hurt, even if you both agree to it, if you both know that it is dangerous, uh, you're you're engaging in reckless behavior. But yeah, that's, that's my big long rant on why choking is dangerous. If you do want to be engaging with that sort of stuff, um, I just realized I've just been talking I've just been monologuing at you uh, no it's, it's so <laughs> yeah. interesting though it's so interesting okay cool See, so, yeah if you do want to be engaging that sort of stuff I find that there are two ways to do it because one of my things is I don't choke people I don't do engage in it because I am not comfortable with that risk um, even though I know how to do it safely I'm not comfortable with it at all um, so the main things is at a like brain level and like the enjoyment factor right you have those endorphins those in general sort of things and you have also that dominance that power exchange so the way that you can mitigate those risks of choking without actually choking or affecting someone's breath in a way that is dangerous is um you know you can just move your hand up from the throat to the jaw or have someone do that. So that kind of pressure on the jaw, on the face, pushing a face down into like a bed or the floor or whatever, that creates the same psychological sort of thing that a hand on the throat does. It's still a very soft, sensitive area and you can do a lot of pressure and you're not going to have to worry about, you know, blood not being in the brain. Um, That's kind of one of the main things that I'll do if someone asks for choking and I get the vibe that they want more of that domination. I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm not going to choke you, but I'm going to put my hand here. And then you get that same feeling of loss of control. And if someone is wanting more of that breath play, um, you can, as a a dominant or as a submissive, you can always go, hey, I want you to do this. Literally just telling someone to hold their breath will create the same sort of like sense of control and like that loss of breath. But holding your breath voluntarily versus not being able to breathe uh, at a physiological level um, are going to have completely different effects um so something that I will do if someone wants to feel like they're being forced to hold their breath but I'm not actually going to do that is I tell them to hold their breath and I'll just put my hand over their like mouth and nose and put put pressure more on my fingers on like the cheeks of the face but the moment they start trying to breathe they are going to be able to breathe Mm -hmm. um like my hand isn't actually doing anything it's just creating that physical sensation of a hand over your face um so those are the sort of the main ways if someone it's like, I don't want to be able to breathe. Cool. Hold your breath. Or if someone wants that dominance of being choked, hand on the chin and like the face and pushing down. Uh, those are my main sort of ways. If you are going to do it, you know, try to learn in person. But I feel like edge player, you should always be learning in person from a professional, whether mm-hmm. it be a professional educator, or a professional worker, um, someone who knows their shit uh, and getting like a physical understanding of it and not just reading an article uh because you know you are putting the body in a lot of physical danger which can be very exciting and I you know edge I am an edge player I I love me some CNC I love doing rope I love you know a little bit of sneaky knife play here and there but it's about knowing your risks um and legally you know like yeah that's one thing I think I was saying before legally, if you um, know that something is risky, you know something is dangerous, you know that something could kill someone, it doesn't matter if you both agreed. If that person dies or is severely injured, you're engaging in reckless behavior and legally you are liable. Um, And that's always something to keep in the back of your mind. Even if both people consent, reckless behavior equals liable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely think people need to be engaging more with educators and workshops mm. and things, especially when it comes to choking, because it's becoming just like this mainstream vanilla thing that is totally oh God, not right. it and everyone's just assuming, oh, I know how to do it. You just put a hand around a throat and you you're good to go. Oh,
1: right? Like, oh hey baby, doesn't my hand look like look like such a great necklace? Fuck off Chad. Literally I'm gonna break your fucking <laughs> fingers if you come near me. Um literally and like, yeah and like I've had to do that before I've had to I've had someone like choke me without asking and I've like almost broke I've like I think I pulled a muscle among their fingers by yanking them off me like that's one thing I'm like yeah as I said before if that's one thing you're going to take away from this thing is either a don't choke people uh without asking cat please no um don't choke people and if someone is choking you break their fucking fingers uh just do it
0: yeah no it's definitely it's a there's a lot more education stuff needs to go out there to try and Mm. counteract whatever the fuck is happening with social media because it's literally just going everywhere and like it just it seems from everybody I talk to even in my personal life it just seems like this is something that just goes with Mm. sex now it's honestly more common than people asking to use condoms (laughs) like it literally I I
1: hate that (laughs) I hate that with every fiber of my being Uh, like I had oh I'd heard a story, I feel, I'm also aware of the term, but I'm like, I heard a story, one of my friends, um, you know, her housemate was dating someone who claimed to be a professional dominatrix. Um, I don't believe that for a fucking second because they were making out and she just started choking him. And I was like, we were like all talking about, and we were like, oh my God, let's go to our house with bricks. Uh, Like, honestly, like just shit like that. Or it's like, it was like their second date and she's like trying to choke him. And I'm like, one, absolutely not a professional. If she is, give me her fucking like name and I'm going to like absolutely fucking like, out like tell everyone to not see this person who's doing this uh and to like what the fuck mm-hmm. just genuinely yeah. what the actual fuck
0: no 100 yeah it's, it's not yeah. good
1: oh. when, yeah when you post prof- when you asked me if you I wanted to talk about choking I was like oh get ready for the rant yeah. like oh get ready I'm gonna put my head through a fucking window like oh, like, <laughs> yeah. oh okay, no. my biggest pet peeve people who engage in like edge play and just call it vanilla like
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, oh. it definitely needs to change. Oh. Now, I would love to know, what is something that is orgasmic to you?
1: Um, You know, as well, I was about to play, one kid, it sound like I sound key at all? Communication. Oh, my gosh. As we've talked a lot throughout today, communication is not only mandatory, but it's also sexy. It's sexy and mandatory. I love it when people can tell me what they want. I love it when I can tell people what I want and... There is just something so orgasmic about, you know, knowing what you're doing is good, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, where can my listeners find you?
1: Sweet. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram as talison Switch. Um, I've also got my little website, uh, com And also for those in Melbourne, I'm very excited in January. Uh, I can't remember the exact date, but I think it's in the second last week of January. I am going to be uh, hosting and facilitating a workshop on queering sex and how we think about it. Um, So if you're in Melbourne in, you know, late January, as well as I'm also going to be in Sydney uh, in late February, doing some of the spicy things, so keep an eye out for that. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be hosting workshops on some of the lovely things we've been talking about today, and I'm so excited to get to meet people. So, yeah, social media. And, you know, in Melbourne you can come hang out with me if you want
0: amazing I'll have all of the links in my show notes as well so people can find you easily um yeah but thank you so much for coming on and discussing everything that we have today it was so so interesting and definitely important to talk about
1: oh thank you so much for having me absolutely anytime you want me to ramble on here I will absolutely do so
0: as always Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions or stories either through my Instagram at That's Orgasmic or my email emilyduncan at that's orgasmic.com Please subscribe, whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and leave a review as I would love to know what you're thinking. So thank you Shaggers and I'll see you next time. <coughs>